Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And only 7% of the land in Israel is not owned by the government. Well, that had a particular impact on me personally, because I found out that the government said about the land that they own, the 93%, that if a person uh, uh, wanted to buy that, they had to be an Israeli citizen or they had to have the right to become, the ability to become an Israeli citizen. And the law was that if your mother and your father were Jewish, that's me, and you were baptized, that's me, you do not have the right to become an Israeli citizen. So I couldn't have the house if it was on the 93% of the land. But praise the Lord, the Lord said to me, in essence, I got you covered because the house we chose was on the 7% of land, not owned by the Israeli government. So I could own that land along with the sheik of, of Saudi Arabia if he wanted to be the next door neighbor if it was on that land anyway. So at the end of verse 20 here, we see the land became Pharaoh's. It just changed Egypt. And it created also for Pharaoh a very substantial revenue very substantial tax that became instituted in Egypt. So if you go to Egypt and you see those great sites of all of those treasure cities that were built and the monuments and the pyramids and et cetera, et cetera, you should know that those were made possible and each one of those sites, you know, whatever they are in Egypt, ought to have a little inscription on the bottom that says, courtesy of Joseph because he's the one that made all the revenue to build all these things by this last statement here at the end of verse 20. Now, as soon as Joseph had gotten the land for Pharaoh and then the people had become servants to Pharaoh, Joseph went to work redistributing the people in verse 21. He removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt even to the other end thereof. So he owns all the land, the people are his servants, And so Joseph is free to make some very key changes. And one of those changes is he moves the people throughout all the, to all the, he moves them all around the cities in Egypt. Now I want to ask you, why do you think he did this? Why did Joseph move the people to the cities? I mean, there they are. They're very happy. They've lived on this land for who knows how long. And it's their land. It's their place. It's their house. And now he moves them and uproots them and puts them in, been the cities. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Because he, he likes cities? He, liked, he wanted to have a mass transit system or something like that? Why do you think he did that? Anybody got any ideas? Where were those storehouses that Joseph built? What did he put those storehouses? Anybody remember where the storehouses were? They were in the cities. Yeah, and it says that in Genesis 41, 41, 47. He gathered up all the food of seven years which were in the land of Egypt, laid the food up in the cities. 
So he lays the food up in storage. He's got these big storage centers, critical to get the food on a regular basis to the people. So rather than to try to devise some complicated transportation system, it's just more efficient, it's more convenient. Just put the people where the food is. So what probably happened here is that Joseph gave to the people plots of land around the city so they could get the food easily. And, and not only that, but when things started to pick up again, the famine was over, then they could also get their food and their produce to these hubs, these cities here. So he's thinking, Joseph's thinking of everything as he moves the people there. I mean, what a job that was to get everyone to pull up stakes and move to the cities. Now he moves everyone to the cities except for the priests. The priests he doesn't touch in verse 22. Only the land of the priest bought he not, for the priest had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh and did eat the portion. So the priests, Joseph doesn't touch because they have this special grant from Pharaoh. So he doesn't move them. He doesn't move them, and he doesn't buy them. He don't, they don't sell themselves to become Pharaoh's servants. Now, besides all this, we can imagine here that also Joseph has a little special link to these priests. Remember what the special link was? His wife was the, was the daughter of one of the priests. So some of those priests were Joseph's in-laws. It might seem strange to you. I mean, it might seem strange to you to see Joseph accommodating idolatrous priests. And that's why the note in verse 22 is very important when it says the priests had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh. See, it was of Pharaoh. It wasn't of Joseph. It was of Pharaoh. So this issue here with the priests, this is delicate. This is a kind of a delicate affair here because Joseph knew, I'm not going to get involved with that. He wasn't to get involved with it. He had to leave the priests, their land, their food, just like he found it, because that's what Pharaoh wanted to be done with the priests, and that's what Joseph did. You know, Joseph didn't go through the big, you know, scene protest of, you know, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Bible believer, and I can't support anything to do with those idolatrous priests, so I'm not going to do it. I don't want anything to do. I want this idolatry to shut down, and I'm going to be in this part here this place here, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut it down. That was not Joseph. That was not Joseph. Joseph knew that a change of heart and a turning to the true God had to come within each individual person, priest or not. And Joseph was willing to wait for each person to turn to God rather than try to institute some government force turning to the true God. If you go to Germany and you talk to people, as I have what has turned you off to God? It was the state-forced religion classes that they had to take in the schools. If they were in the Protestant areas, they had the, the Lutheran or the Evangelical Free Church, and if they were in the Catholic areas, they had the Catholic, but it was forced on them. So Joseph didn't do that. Joseph honored the desire of Pharaoh to care for these idolatrous priests. After all, Egypt was not really Joseph's home, and he wasn't trying to make it that way. And he made it very clear when he died that he wanted his bones also to be taken out of Egypt. After all the influence that he had on Egypt, he wanted to be gone from Egypt. And also that was a statement that God was going to bring Israel out of Egypt. So now, the transaction, it's all done now. It's all done now. All the people have been bought, the land, and he makes this great announcement in verse 23, when Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day 
and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. So he starts off and he says, behold, I have bought you this day in your land. And we can imagine the people, when they hear that, they're thinking to themselves, this is good. This is what we wanted. This is good. This is a good thing. I'm really glad to be owned by Pharaoh and managed by Joseph because now I'm going to be provided for by Joseph, and I don't have to worry about what I'm going to have to try to sell next to buy food. See, this is very much like the song that said, joy floods my soul for Jesus has saved me, freed me from sin that long had enslaved me. His precious blood, he came to redeem. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. So Joseph says, I bought you this day. So much like a happy day for those people. And they could have sung that song, oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice and tell all raptures all abroad. Happy day, happy day. All right, so this is a happy day. The Egyptians have fixed their choice uh, to be bought by Joseph or Pharaoh. They're owned now by Pharaoh. And then Joseph says to them, Lo, behold, look, here's seed. Here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land. So he gave them seed. Now, he gave them seed. Now, when he gave them seed, what does that tell you about the time that it was when Joseph told the people to take the seed and sow the land? What does it tell you? That's right. That'd be the seven years were up. Because if you put seed in the ground and there's no rain, you just wasted the seed. He knew that they were in the sixth year there, and it was up. And that's that was according to his prediction. Okay. Now, what year of the famine, what year of the famine did Jacob and his family come to Egypt? Remember? What year was it? Genesis 45, 6. These two years, he said, Joseph said to Jacob, these two years hath the family famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there'll be neither earing or, or harvest. Okay. So Jacob and his family They came to Egypt after the second year of the seven-year famine. So that means that they were in, they were situated in Egypt. They were in the land of Goshen for four years at the point where Joseph now buys all the land and the, and the Egyptians for Pharaoh. And yet all during this time of this extreme duress on the Egyptians, Joseph's family sits there in Goshen very well provided for. They're very well provided for. You know, that's a picture of how God takes care of his own. I mean, others that are, can be really suffering from terrible events in life, yet the Lord cares for us like he cared for Jacob's family in Goshen when all people all around were really suffering. So he gives, Joseph gives the people seed to plant. Now, he also would have given them back their cattle. Why? You need the cattle to till the land. That's what the cattle were for. And so there sat the Egyptians now with the cattle that they used to own, but it really belonged to Pharaoh, but now it was given back to them to use. But it looked like they still owned the cattle because it was the same cattle they had before, only it was really owned by Pharaoh. Now, isn't that a picture of what happens to us when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ? We come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we sell him, we just sell him, we give him ourselves, we give him everything that we have, And then he gives it back to us for his work. 
just like the Egyptians with the cattle. Just look like nothing changed. They got their cattle back. Their cattle is just now owned by Pharaoh. And he lets them use it. And then they keep 80% of what's generated off the land. And they give 20% of the harvest to Pharaoh because they're using his land and his cattle and, and they're his body. And anyways, they were servants to him as well. And yet Christians find so hard to give back to the Lord half of that or 10% to the Lord's work. Now, if there was any doubt in your mind, because you may be reading this and you're saying, oh man, that's a really bad deal for the Egyptians. Just look at this. They lost their land. They lost their freedom. They, they lost their cattle. They lost everything. So maybe you're sort of thinking to yourself, you know, the Egyptians, I don't know how they really, how this whole new arrangement went over with them. And uh, now they have to give 20%. But if there was any doubt about that, it all is answered in verse 25. Because in verse 25, they said, thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. They're just so grateful to Joseph for saving their lives. Literally in the Hebrew, when it says, thou hast saved our lives, it's the same like, like uh, Joshua said. It's, thou hast kept us alive. Thou hast kept us alive. It shows they didn't look at Joseph like some harsh tyrant taking advantage of them. No, they, they were just so grateful. They were so grateful to be alive. And that's the way it is with us. That's the way it is. with. We're just so grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ for saving us from the hell that we deserve. We're grateful to him for giving us the heaven we didn't deserve. But then the, the Egyptians, they have a request, and it says, let us find grace in thy sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. So what they're saying here is that we want you to be happy with us. We want you to be happy with us. And then they're saying, we won't rebel. We won't have a big, we won't have an Arab spring here. We're not going to rebel against you. We're going to be happy to be Pharaoh's servants. Now we read in verse 26 that Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth part. Now, this completely changed all of this, the, the history of Egypt. And historians, they record that about this time that the people were given square plots of land by the government, and the government got its income off of the 20% tax, straight tax. Everybody could fill out their tax return on a postcard. <laughs> now, while all this was going on, we have a comment of what was happening in Israel, as it says in verse 27. Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. So all this, like I said, all this duress is going on around them, and this is really what is, is being spoken about in Isaiah 65. In Isaiah 65, 13, the situation of the Egyptians suffering and the duress and yet Israel being taken care of, this is what the Lord said. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 65, 13, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but ye shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for sorrow of heart. See, Israel was to look and to see very, very clearly that it was God who was taking care of them in the middle of this sea of sorrow in this, this sea of suffering. And this is what Moses was trying to get into Israel's head 
in the book of Deuteronomy. You know, book of Deuteronomy, Moses is saying, I'm leaving, I'm going, but let me go over this again with you for the 400th time. And so Deuteronomy means the second time. So Deuteronomy 26.5, Deuteronomy 26.5. First of all, he said, now look, you've got to see your origins for what they really were. Not a righteous person, not a bunch of righteous people that came, and that's who you are uh, the descendants of. No, no, no. He said in Deuteronomy 26.5, thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, a Syrian ready to perish was my father. A Syrian ready to perish was my father. He went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became there a nation great, mighty, and populous. See, Jacob, he spent so much time in Syria with Laban, they just called him a Syrian, ready to perish. And Moses made sure that Israel always remembered that Jacob came to Egypt for a temporary stay, just a temporary, wasn't permanent. Now the temporary wait hadn't to be, happened to be 400 years, but who's counting? It was just temporary. It was only a visit. It wasn't a permanency. And that was the way God wanted them to, to see. He went down into Egypt and sojourned there. He just visited there. Now, we read what, what happened to Israel, verse 27. Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen. They had possessions therein. Grew and multiplied exceedingly. They multiplied exceedingly. The time had finally come for God to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham all the way back to the time when God called Abraham in Genesis 12. And when he called him out of Ur of the Chaldees, he said to him in Genesis 12 too, Genesis 12 too, I will make of thee a great nation and will bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. So God told Abraham that he was going to make them a great nation and he elaborated on it. And he said, you know, look, uh, Abraham, uh, let me explain to you what I mean. So just look down at the ground. You see all that dust down there? And he said in Genesis 13, 16, Genesis 13, 16, I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, just like that dust. So if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. How comical for someone to sit down and say, don't bother me now, I'm counting dust by dust here. See, he says you can't do that. And then he renewed this, this promise of multiplying the seed to Isaac, to Isaac, his son Isaac in Genesis 26.4. Genesis 26.4, he says, I'll make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And then he renewed that same promise to Jacob. Now keep in mind, we're spanning a long, many hundreds of years here. And Jacob in Genesis 46.3, Genesis 46.3, when Jacob was in Syria with Laban, and, and he says in Genesis 46.3, he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt for I will there make of thee a great nation. Now, and speaking about this verse, verse 27 here, Stephen, before he's martyred, and he's giving his last speech there, his last message in Acts 7.17, Acts 7.17, he speaks about this time now when he calls it the time of the promise drew nigh. When God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. 
And then later, after the people had grown and they had multiplied, again, Deuteronomy 10.22, Deuteronomy 10.22, Moses says to them, thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten people, 70 people. And now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. And this is such a dramatic thing that David comments it in comments on it in Psalm 105:24, Psalm 105:24 when he said, "And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies." And it's not only that he increased the people. And it's not only that this miraculous thing happened in the birth rate among the people, it also happened with the cattle. It says in Psalm 107:38, Psalm 107:38, "He blessed them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffered not their cattle to decrease. So their cattle's increasing. And this is, the, this is the scene here that is in the closing chapters here of Genesis, and this is the first thing that's spoken about in the opening chapter of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 7, Exodus chapter 1, verse 7, the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed the seeding abundantly, and the land was filled with them. I mean, can you make any more emphasis than to keep saying that? They were fruitful, they increased abundantly, they multiplied, they waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. So now, this is Israel. Now we've gone from a focus from the Egyptian people to a focus on Israel. Now the focus is gonna narrow in on Jacob, on Jacob in verse 28. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So Jacob's 147. How many years was Joseph living in Jacob's house before he was taken down to Egypt? Remember? 15 or 17? It was 17. <laughs> 17, yeah. 17, okay. So Genesis 37.2, Genesis 37.2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old, okay. So Jacob had Joseph with him for 17 years before they were separated. And those were wonderful years for Jacob. Jacob loved, it says in Genesis 37.3, we saw this, Genesis 37.3, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. So life was wonderful when, when Jacob was with Joseph. And when Jacob thought that Joseph was killed, a darkness came on Jacob that was unbelievable. It says in, in Genesis 37, 33, Genesis 37, 33, I mean, it's kind of like he went over the top. He knew it and said, it is my son's coat, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Jacob rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his loins, mourned for his son many days, and all his sons, all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, I'll go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. He could not, he would not be comforted because Jacob just said, I will go down to the grave to my son mourning. My life is dark, everything is dark, there is no light, the rest of my life is gonna be spent in darkness and mourning and depression. Very dark place, very dark place, and he refused to get out of that dark place. Dark, dark, dark. That was his life. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 